Well, I do appreciate being able to be here today, and Travis, thank you. I do know quite a few of you, but there are folks in the room who probably have never met me and never met my wife, Melanie, and it's kind of ironic that we're going to talk about understanding your spouse today, and my wife's not going to be here, so anything I say, you might be like, well, I don't know if that's for real or not, but there are enough people in the room that know my wife, so that holds me accountable. Can we just begin with a word of prayer as we get started today? Father God, I thank you for this time we get together today. And Lord, I ask you to minister to the hearts of each person here. Lord, that you would draw them to yourself and draw them closer together. Lord, we ask that you would open our eyes to the things in your word by the presence of your Holy Spirit in our life. Lord, that you would direct us. And Lord, help us because today we do want to understand the differences in our spouse. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, For those of you uh, who do know me and do know my wife, uh, we are the example of two people who couldn't be more different. When we did the evaluation to get married in the pre-marriage stage, our counselor said, "Um, you know you guys are going to have some conflict. And, and, and the conflicts are going to be like right here and right here. And you know, 30 years later, guess where we have our conflicts? Same points of difference. And uh, you know, it's a beautiful thing that we are challenged by God's word in multiple ways to care for others, to love others, and to understand others and live in an understanding way. We're going to look at that today and how it relates to preparation for marriage, the consideration of marriage. I obviously don't want to assume that everyone here who's coupled up is going to get married, but many of you will. And many of you, obviously, leaders already have been married, and and you know this. But let's take a look at some of the content that we're going to see today. We are asking that question How do we understand our spouse, and how do our differences lead to really an increased understanding of how we can be one, but not pulling us into two different parts? And I think in our culture today, we are constantly challenged with that. What I would say on this first statement is, there are no two people that are exactly the same Everyone is different. When you do a personality test, when you do a profile, when you talk about all the things that draw you together, the reality is, is you're different. And, you know, if we kind of rattle through some of those key areas physically, well, thankfully, we're different, you know. (laughs) And uh, we're so grateful to have someone who is different than us. But when it comes to things like exercise and how I like the temperature, yeah, physically, we, we're just going to be different. Emotionally, we're different. And for most of us guys, we're going, thankfully, I'm not like my bride-to-be because I couldn't be like that. But, but the reality is, is there, there is so much that we're similar in, but we're not the same emotionally. And it's a rough road for us guys learning what it means to care for a woman. And if you grew up with uh, sisters or you grew up in a home with, with women, then you go, yeah, there are just days I don't understand her. 
And, uh, and, and, you know, 30 years helps, but what it helps with is for me. Like, I got a muzzle. It closes my mouth because I'm not over-communicating. Hey, you shouldn't do that. I've learned to, like, listen and learn a little bit. A couple other areas, our experiences, the things that we have done, the things that we do, completely different. You know, a lot of our strengths and a lot of our what I would call gifts are, are completely different as well. And as we take a look at what are the areas that we probably want to talk about most, it, it is a fact that we're different than one another. And, and that may seem counterintuitive to what you're trying to become in a marriage relationship, in preparation for a marriage relationship. How you like to spend your free time is usually where I end up counseling a lot of couples who are opposites. They're like, I, you know, I want to go fishing, and I want to get out in the woods. And she's saying, I just want to stay home. And if you know my wife, we've had to learn how to do the outdoor things together. I want you to picture what a great summer date is for us. We're on the boat together. I've got a fishing pole in my hand, and I'm working the line and guess what my wife is doing? She's got knitting needles in her hand, and she's working the line. She, 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 she's knitting constantly. She doesn't want to fish. Now, I'll take an extra line and throw it out for her, put a bobber on it. But what she's awesome to do is she wants to be together. We're completely different, but we've learned how to find things that we love to do together. But it's not her love of fishing that puts her on a boat. She worships the sun. She loves to be in the sun. And when I say, hey, honey, do you want to go out fishing? She looks at the sun. Yeah, let's go. If there's a cloud in the sky, she says, no, I'm not interested. You know. <laughs> now, ironically, um, the fish don't really bite when it's really sunny. That, that is not their thing. But I've learned that this is the time. She wants to go, so we're going. And it, it's been fabulous. But so many differences. And I, I just want to encourage you guys as you are exploring what's different about me than you. Yes, we can do the men are wif- different than women discussion, but, but truthfully, that is a point of contention. And as we start this conversation today about understanding your spouse, really what we want to explore is if they're different, then do I understand them? If they're different, how do I learn more about who they are in a way that can be meaningful? Um, as we talk about differences and how we handle things, the families that you grow up in, completely different tribes, com- completely different cultures. And I'm not saying you're two cross-cultural people, but your tribe, the, the way you were raised, completely different than your spouse. And even though it might have been the same church in the same block on the same street, completely different. And what you guys are doing is not saying, I want a little of this and a little of that. You're saying, we're going to start a new tribe. We're going to start a new family, and we're going a new direction. And it doesn't mean you have to jettison everything, but you better know how different you are as you come together and make those decisions to bring those together. Um, this is kind of a joke from the deal, but, it, you know, <laughs> how often do we hear the, the, the adage that, hey, you left the seat up, you know, I, I can't, you know. But, you know, well, did you see the disaster around the sink? Um, and, and, you know, that, whether that's your dresser or bureau or the top, it, there are differences. 
and men and women. And, and I wouldn't say that it always boils down to cleanliness and orderliness, but I did a lot of learning about how to be cleaner, how to be more orderly in the beginning of our marriage. And guess what? I'm still learning. And my wife has learned to be probably the most forbearing and most patient person. If we were standing up here side by side, she'd probably kick me because she'd be like, yeah, don't call me forbearing. You know, don't call me patient. But, but the reality is she is. And it has been a gift from God as we've come together. But I am constantly learning about our differences. And the differences are something that we want to both understand and be able to take a look at. I would say there are three, you know, differences that we'll, we'll take a look at today and talk about. But in the differences in our lives, it can cause tension. And some of that tension can be fun, you know, and some of it can be just irritating. And, uh, and as you start to work on the difference between what you're experiencing, what I guess I would share here is this, the same difference that can be such a strong attraction as you are meeting and getting to know each other can be the very thing, the beginning of the relationship can lead to this friction and frustration over how you are understood. And, and, and really embracing that is important. Um, my wife and I, our first argument, ice cream. We went to the store together and we're in college and we're looking at the shelf and she opens the door and reaches in and grabs chocolate. Hmm. I simultaneously reach in and grab peaches and cream. And, and she's like, no, we're not getting that. And I'm like, no, no, yeah, this is what we're, we're, we had a date. We're going to go out. It was my idea. We're going to go out and get ice cream. She's like, that's not ice cream. This is ice cream. I'm like, no, no, this is okay. Well, we doubled the cost of the date. We ended up buying both. Not a real spender uh, during the college years. But, but what we, what we uh, learned and realized is we were different from the get-go. I, I'm not really interested in having a bowl of chocolate ice cream. She was no way going to have peaches and cream as like a dessert. It's like, that's a waste of calories. Why would I eat that? And so the very things that, you know, we both love. We love ice cream, but we love it differently. And now all of a sudden you can find that difference as being something that pushes at the issues as Travis so well alluded to, irreconcilable differences. So how do we live knowing that not only do we just understand the other person, but how do we live together and appreciate those things? So a couple of things we're going to talk about today is that our three differences, they're from God, that, that they create a stronger relationship, our differences do, and they are to be understood so that we can serve better. So I just want to take a look at this first one with you, that our differences come from God. And yes, we can say universally, you know, seven billion people on the planet, half are men, half are women, we're different. But now we're just talking about these two people. And these two people, how they're similar and different. And yet, God made an amazing creation when he brought us together, formed us, knew us when we were being formed. You know, in Jeremiah, it talks about before you were formed in the womb, I knew you. God knew you. He knew what he was doing, and he knew that he was making you different than your partner. He saw 
from the beginning. And, and this passage really speaks, you know, to that. For you were formed, uh, you formed my inward, inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. We hear that often in reference to valuing life, valuing new life. But I would just tell you, it, it equates to all of life. God knew you from the very beginning. What he was doing was good. And um, it goes on to say that my frame wasn't hidden from you. When I was being made in secret, I was intricately woven in the depths of the earth. I, I want you guys to picture that you're not wrong who you are. And you have no problem asserting that when you're in an argument with your partner. Like, I know, I've got it right. You aren't wrong to be different. But that's not the question. If your differences are from God, now we have to understand, how do we bring those together? You know, in all of the things that we do here at Grace and bringing care and counsel to people, it's such a privilege to serve here at Grace in our care ministry. I get to oversee, you know, the, the breadth of our care ministry. But one of the things that is consistent is that we are constantly reminding people you are created by God with a purpose. And if you step into your relationship knowing, I was created by God, and the differences that I have from my partner are truly a representation of God bringing two different entities together for his glory, for his purpose, that's so foundationally important for you as you guys step forward to know that. Um, the second piece that we're going to take a look at here is created to, as a combined entity that is stronger than any one person. In Ecclesiastes, we hear this oftentimes in marriage ceremonies. People will go back to this historical wisdom writing. And, you know, here you're hearing Solomon kind of talk about the beauty of the difference in life. And more specifically, it says here that two are better than one. Why? Because they have the good reward for their toil. If one were to fall, one can lift up the other. But woe to the one who's alone when he falls because there's no one to lift him up. Two lie together, they can keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And it goes here to say, though a man might prevail against one, who alone? Two will withstand them. A three-fold cord is not easily broken. I want you to picture that three-fold cord. What, what it looks like is any rope that you can walk into the hardware store and buy, any rope that you might have on the edge of a boat to secure it, it's been wound together, three parts wound together. And in a marriage, what it is, you're bringing your individual style, your partner is bringing her individual style and God is that third cord wound together. When you center yourself on your relationship with God, you become a three-fold cord. And I would say God's combined plan is not just that the two of you hang on independently, but that you wrap yourself in the strength of being united. And that was really wisdom that came from Solomon and captured in Ecclesiastes. But, but it gives us a perspective that the entity that God is creating, although different and challenging, is really stronger and better. Um, this next one is that you're to be understood. And, and, and 
and so that you can better serve your spouse. So we're different. We understand that. But if we understand we're different, now I can serve better. In our home, there's a kind of a smiling moment that happens fairly often where we'll crawl into bed. I've crawled into bed, tucked my feet under the covers, and my wife is taking care of a few, turn off the lights, move away. And as she climbs into bed, she'll lean over to me and say, hey, could you give me a glass of water? <laughs> oh, uh, like, I'm kind of warm. I'm doing just fine here. And in, in the differences of our marriage, you know, I, I am thinking and have said on occasion, how about you go get the water? And <laughs> I don't need any water. You go get the water. And now after about two or three times of that in our marriage, I learned that's not a good answer. <laughs> so if you know the differences, she's thinking about all the other things around the house. She's taking them away, putting them away, taking care of this. She gets into bed and goes, oh, I forgot the water. And she leans over and says, could you get me a glass of water? And so now, what do I say? Would you like ice in that or not? <laughs> and, and so I've learned that this is an easy way to both be happy as we both look at each other on the pillow. <laughs> Hi. You know, and she's like, I just, I'm going to go to bed now. You know, and, but, but in the moment, we have captured that together, this is an opportunity for how can we better serve one another. And uh, in 1 Peter, it says, Husbands, live with your wife in an understanding way. Show honor to the woman as a weaker vessel, since as the heirs with you in the grace of life. And, and I think we, we read some of that and we think, ooh, painful. You know, there's a little bit of our culture that kind of speaks to us and barks like, shouldn't be saying that. It doesn't say women are weaker. It says as. As you care like someone is, and, and I think some of the image that we often joke about looks like this, you know, hefty thermos, fragile goblet, purposeful, valuable goblet. As you go to pick out crystal, you know, I, was, I remember 30 years holding the crystal in my hand going, yeah, I don't think I can hold this. This isn't, my, oh, that's a little, you know, but not all guys, but many guys are a little bit more rough and tumble. Throw it in the back of the truck. It, everything's going to be fine. But what the scripture here suggests is that we men should learn to not be so assuming and care for her as a partner. Care for her as someone who's fragile and valuable. Not weak, but fragile and valuable. That's worth taking care of. And in the, um, the material here that follows, it says, if we're going to be an understanding spouse, you need to become a student, right? A student of your spouse, of your partner. In order for that to happen, you're going to have to learn what it, does it mean to be a student, a student of your spouse. Anybody want to venture a statement? What do you think it means to be a student of your spouse? How does that look in your relationship? And by the way, I'm not going to hammer you. You might get the elbow from your partner, but I'm, I'm just... Any, any thoughts on what does it look like in your relationship to be a student? How have you been learning? Yes? Observant. Observant. So you're seeing things. How many years have you guys 
two years. So you've had these 24 months to kind of observe. Great, other examples. How, do you, how are you a student? Yes? Patient and understanding, right? I mean, those are great biblical principles that like when we carry that along, it's like, oh, okay. I can, I can do that. I can be a little more patient and understanding. What does a student do? Go ahead, Stephen. Listens, right? I mean, you guys are in a class right now. You're here learning. You're taking notes. Are you doing that in your relationship as well? And I'm not saying keeping track, but I'm saying are, are you assessing who this person is and how to better take care. We're going to talk about a number of areas that you can really learn and value from that. Um, what does it mean if you don't live with your spouse in an understanding way? Well, back in the scripture that we were taking a look at, I conveniently skipped over this part. What did it say at the last line? So that your prayers wouldn't be hindered. What is the benefit of taking care. If you take care and you live in an understanding way, your prayers aren't going to be hindered. And I, I think that goes for all of us. It, you know, the teaching here is right out of Ephesians, but practically, how do we live in an understanding way? I think we start with asking questions, and the questions can be like this. Or questions can be like, hey, can you help me understand? Why, why wouldn't we want peaches and cream ice cream? <laughs> and, um, and so I'm like, do you want raspberries in the chocolate? No, don't put those together. Okay. How do you want to do different? I think learning to ask questions reminds you of how it was when you're dating. Constantly asking questions. And I would say raising young adults, we learned that we had different ideas on how those kids should behave. And when I'd come home and she'd be like, your son did this. And I'd be like, oh, okay, I know now, the alarm's going off. Um, and I would have to say, well, I think I would have done that too. But if I said that, oh, that's not gonna go over so well. Um, <laughs> So I'm thinking, okay, so he did the wrong thing. Okay, help me understand what would this look like if, if he was doing the right thing. So learning to ask those questions is what a student does. And I would say the Aristotelian way of asking a question to learn, asking a question to learn, should never be vacated in your marriage. Always learning to ask the question to learn. It would be helpful. In the scripture here it says... Don't do anything out of your own selfish ambition. That's hard. That's hard to change. That's your very nature. We all choose the bigger cookie. We just do. And the sandwich, uh, there's a platter of sandwiches or there's donuts over there. Guess which one you pick? You didn't pick the smallest one. You picked the one that had the best of what you wanted. And yet the scripture says don't do anything out of selfish ambition, but in humility... Count others as more significant than yourself. Look eat to each other's need, right? Not to your own interest, but to the interest of others. And I think that scripture is a constant reminder for all of us how we care for each other and treat each other. But in a relationship where you're partnering up, you're going to begin to ask those questions. 
with a, a little bit better purpose. And it's not just to avoid conflict so that we can have cuddle time. No, it, it's really to learn who each other are so that you can serve one another better, that you can be used by God in a better way. So how do you discover those differences? Well, you discover them by banging into them in the night. You, you know, you, you discover them by stubbing your toe. And uh, there are, are things that seem like they would be right. I, I think of that moment when I scooped up my wife and, I, and we were heading to the bedroom. And I scooped her up and we went down the hallway. And I'm thinking, this is going to be great. Here we go. Down the hallway and right into the thermostat. I took her, you know, a shoulder. And she's got this, mm, you know. She's like, this is not the way we, you know. I say there are a lot of differences of, you know, gentle, caring, kind, patient, as you said, understanding. So how do we move that direction? Well, the word here says, let each one of you uh, love his wife as he loves himself. Let, let the wife see that she respects her husband. Those two ideas, love and respect, are captured in a very principal idea here in Scripture. And, and uh, I don't know how many of you are familiar with Egridge's and the material that they cover, ironically, love and respect, calling out the differences of what may be at the base need. And they've uh, done some great teaching and great writing in that. Um, as you guys are probably aware, there's a conference coming in a couple of weeks, just three weeks now, that would be an awesome representation of that. If you don't have tickets to go, if you don't have friends to go with, if you're not certain if you're going to do this, I just encourage you to take a look at doing it. But my point is, is really about these ideas, love and respect. What we see uh, Emerson Egridge talks about is that there's a difference. That oftentimes, husbands, that you're called to love your wife. Well, you're like, hey, we're in the pre-stage, so I don't have to be all in, but let me understand what does this look like. Well, you, you probably need to understand what it is about your bride that she is looking for, openness, closeness, you know. And I think the same is probably true for women as they say, what, what are men looking for? What, what is this idea of respect? Is it, you know... At attention, salute, follow, and obey? No, it, it probably looks about, do you know me? Do you know what I'm interested in? And, and do, you, do you want that proximity? Um, are, are you guys familiar with love languages? Have you heard the love languages material? Gary Chapman, a number of years ago, wrote a book on love languages, and then he has subsequently rewritten it to, like, children and teens and, you know, pets and animals. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but... <laughs> But the, uh, the love language is material. It does a great job of really talking about the key five areas. And if you haven't had this conversation together as a couple, if you haven't had it with other people, what I just want you to think on is you may be very similar in some areas to each other and very different in others. I'm usually asking couples, what is the language that you like to love in what is the language you like to receive love in? And, and they may be two different things, but you're going to connect now with somebody else, and they may have two different primary love languages as well. 
So how do you get to that point where you're connected and you know each other's love languages? And I think it can be really helpful if you're taking the time to dive in and look at that. Um, so how do we discover these differences? Obviously, if you're students and you're working on becoming a student of your spouse, you're going to constantly be looking for something like an upcoming conference or a book to read or a way to listen and hear each other. I think there's some great tools. How do we embrace those differences, those key differences in our life? I, I think it's really nice when they give compliments and you're like, wow, thank you. That was nice of you to say that nice thing to me. And you realize, ooh, I'm probably not really quick to give compliments. But I'm going to learn to appreciate what you do differently and value it. And, and I may even take a moment and ask you a question about it. Not because I'm grilling you, but because I want to understand better what it means to love like you love, to think like you think, to understand more. And so as you guys take a look at what does it mean to embrace differences, you may want to explore not just what's physically different, emotionally different, you know, purposed and value different. You may really want to discover what, what those things are and what they look like and then honor one another with those differences. Does that make sense? Okay. Um, another writer that I really enjoy, Melanie and I have appreciated over the years, is uh, Paul Tripp. And Paul Tripp has another book out on marriage that is a rewrite of one of his books called What Did You Expect? And I think it's a funny, funny title. It's uh, intended for couples who are married and are looking back and going, what did you expect of this marriage to be like? And, and realizing, okay, if we understand going in what, what it is that we're looking for in marriage, it may help us to understand what our expectations are. I would say embracing those differences is going to be super helpful for you guys as, as you take a look um, going forward. I think the last thing that we talk about is celebrating. How do you celebrate those differences and, and what they mean? You know, with a number of years into relationship, as some of you guys have known each other for months and some for years, you do know you're different. It's easy to spend your time kind of picking at the thing that's different. How often do you compliment and affirm and demonstrate value for your differences. Uh, Melanie and I, you know, are different people. She likes a chair. We just, this last week, she likes a chair that's got a big broad back she can lean into. I liked one that sits me up straight and keeps my posture healthy. Two different desires, two different purposes, both of us looking for a chair. And I think as you learn to see each other's needs and celebrate those differences, it can be so powerful. Um, and so as you guys are going to take a few minutes, um, you know, at the end today, one of the things I, I want to have you talk about is what are some of those differences that you've discovered in your relationship? And let's say you discover one this month. And let's say you discover one next month. And let's say three months from now, the first one that you discovered irritates you again. Okay. Did you do the learning? about it when you met, you know, this Christmas, when you discovered a difference, did you ask the questions 
that allowed you to see, oh, we're different. Did you embrace that difference? Now can you celebrate that difference? There are things that each other do that are irritating, but, but as you think about, is there a way that we can understand one another better, celebrate those differences? Um, scripture says in, in Genesis that when God created mankind, he said, not only is my creation good, he said, mankind is very good. And then what happens in verse 18 of chapter 2? He says, it's not good for him to be alone. It is not good. It's good. It's very good. It's not good. What God recognized is is that man was not going to be good alone, individually. He wanted to give a partner. Your spouse is a partner to help you become more like Christ, to be more like Jesus. And as we talk about embracing and celebrating that difference, um, it isn't that you're supposed to constantly be kicked down the road by somebody who's pushing you a little further, like, keep, keep going. No, you're to strengthen and support one another and help each other. So as, as we'll take a look, I'm going to have this set of questions for you guys to take a look at at your table. And uh, before we get there, I just want to take a few moments to close out on a couple of the points in the summary pages. First off, all marriages start off with strong intentions. Nobody thinks, oh, I just can't wait to win this argument. I can't wait to have another argument today. No. The intentions of your relationship begin, but it oftentimes is our selfishness that gets in the way. It's my way. It's what I'm interested in. In order to combat those selfish desires, what the Bible encourages us to do is to become a student. A student of our significant other, a student of our spouse, student of our partner, that, that you would be a learner. And you're going, I don't want to learn anymore. I've already learned everything I need to know. Wrong, right. Wrong, right. And, and I would say, no, this is where we benefit. There's a lot at stake a lot at stake in your relationship. If you're going to have the peace and the satisfaction, and we use that term marital satisfaction, that's like, did we have great sex? No, it, it's also, did we have joy in the middle of the journey? Did we bump into the life that God intended for us with, we can grab hold of and go, am I experiencing peace and satisfaction in this marriage? God's intent, marriage's role in God's kingdom is a tangible expression, right? That tangible expression of his love for the world. If people can't see through your relationship that God is doing something in your relationship because you've understood your differences, and it's not like you just stand together and put your arm around each other and go, yeah, we coexist, we make it. No, how do you thrive In order to thrive, to have that marital satisfaction, to have that joy, we want you to understand your spouse. And so whether it's grabbing a hold of a book, grabbing a hold of a a Bible study together, grabbing a hold of a conference that's going to help you guys, I think it's a perpetual commitment to being a learner. And so I'm sure we may have some questions. And for you at your table, I think 
you as a team may um, want to discuss this, but wh- what I would say is you might just want to turn to one another and talk about these couple of questions. Um, in what ways are you most similar? In what ways are you different? And then how can you better embrace and discover and celebrate those differences? All right? So I'm going to kick it back to you guys. And uh, certainly today, if you've got any questions, I'll try to be available. But in the future, if you needed any connection uh, with us here at Grace on the care side, happy to connect. And for those of you, it's our first time meeting. I just want to say this was a nice first meeting. Nice to meet you all. I hope you have a wonderful Christmas and a joyous new year. And I hope that God's blessing is over you in the preparation for your relationship. So God bless you guys. And back to the tables. Thank you. Yep.